Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Men podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Them podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have Candy Steiner. Yep, we sure do. Candy is just, first of all, an amazing person, but uh, she's the author of angsty, um, emotional, and sometimes funny um, books. And she's just amazing. We had the best conversation with her. Yeah, we talked a lot about, you know, we asked her all our usual questions, but then we talked to her about um, Instagram because she mm-hmm. does really well on Instagram. Oh, she's, if you're not following Candy Steiner on Instagram, you're missing out. So you should definitely follow her. Yeah. Yeah. And um, she has a uh, Wrangling the Writer mm-hmm. um, series that she does. So we talked about that um, and questions she yep. gets from writers. And um, yeah, it was a good, and why we talked a lot about uh, mindset as well. Yes. yes. So. Yeah, she's one of the most positive people I know. It just really yeah. works on that and works to see. Um, I mean, she's like you know everybody else, you know, that we get down every once in a while, but she really tries um, to see the bright spot in everything. So yeah. she's, and we need that in 2020. Absolutely, girl. <laughs> we absolutely do. Yeah. So, yeah, so what are you doing? Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, I've been writing. I um. I'm hoping we're recording this on a Friday, the 18th. And yes. um, I am hoping that today I finish my cereal that oh. I've been putting out. In, it's not really a cereal. It's just I've been putting it out a chapter at a time. And I just am close enough to the end that I want to go ahead and write the whole thing. And um, the plan is that the next chapter will go out to, uh, January 15th because my editor's out of town and I cannot write something and send it out without an editor. Um, and then put by the end, by the first of February ish or so, have the whole thing done and put it all up on my website. I'll send it out in my newsletter and then leave it up for maybe a month or two mm-hmm. or maybe probably a month and then take it down. And then I'm going to publish that book. Um, nice. Or, or I may not, I may just use it as my free mm-hmm. thing, but um, I think I'm going to publish it to start with. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll hurt me, and uh, it'll just be another something I have. Yeah, well, that that's I exciting. Use. Yeah, I'll probably end up being almost thirty thousand words, which is crazy. Yeah, um, but that's what I've been doing. Not much. I was going to say that um, you know, on our kind of roundup twenty twenty, I was talking about my series and how I hadn't decided what I was going to do, and mm-hmm. we do talk about it in another uh, podcast that we actually just recorded today with Zoe York, but. Angel Lawson said she sent me a message through the group or posted in the wish I'd known them for writers pod, uh, Facebook group uh, that she had read homecoming King and really while it had sports elements, it really was more a small town romance, which is what um, the bride's books are. Yeah. Which was what the bride's books are. So that combined with some things I learned at Ram is I'm going to take my uh, series that starts with Homecoming King. I'm, I'm going to write two more books, which I'm working on the second one, but I'm going to put a character in that book that will be in that book. And then the third book, a, a minor character, but still she'll be in there that she will eventually be the, 
next bride book I write, which she will move to Zexville to get married. Clever. Yeah. And so it's a series within a series, which then can hopefully tie everything together because I really feel like, you know, I had really been thinking I might just leave homecoming King as a standalone, mm-hmm. but I, um, I'm not going to do that. I think that I have a good enough hook and idea for two more books that um, it will, it'll be good. Yeah. I just need to figure out how to, wrap them all up and put them. Yeah. And that's not a huge change really. It's more like a tweak to the marketing. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. more like instead of saying these are sports romance, Mm -hmm. these are small town romance with, with, and if you also like sports mm -hmm. romance, then you'll probably enjoy these too. Like this too. Yeah. Cause Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I, I took a lot of um, time and made a huge effort when I, when I wrote the sports parts of the book to make them as authentic and real as I could, you know, having never played football, but I am a football <laughs> fan. Uh, so I don't want to lose that, but I do think really marketing them more as a small town romance uh, is, is better because sports romance readers just want something different. And um, I think that, you know, this book is close enough to small town. Well, it is. It's yeah. just, so that's what i've been doing not much so but anyway thank you angel that was a great uh good insight yes very good insight and uh, i appreciate it um but yeah that's it just getting ready for christmas and um yeah so laggard that i am i finally got my christmas tree up So yes. we're all decorated now. You have, yeah. I'm appalled. Mine's been up since November. What do you think? <laughs> I'm slow, <laughs> but it is up. But um, I did have a couple of things I was going to talk about. One, I wanted to give that sh- a shout out to Nathan Van Coops because he does the Book Faces Live podcast, mm-hmm. and that he hadn't been able to do it for a while, but he's back now, and he's had several mm-hmm. new episodes come out. So. Um, he always has good questions and mm-hmm. interesting guests. He just had on um, Julie Strauss. Yes. And I think this week, as we're recording this, it's um, A.G. Riddle. So yes. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Right. And mm-hmm. um, real quick, Julie has a podcast, yes. too. And it's, it's called um, Best Book Ever. Best Book it? Ever, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's great. She talks to all kinds of people about their favorite books. Yes. So And how they uh, influenced you and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're looking for a new podcast, yep. check those out because those are yep. both great. Yeah. And let's see. Um, oh, I had some news that this is, I'm, I'm going to share this because uh, so many people are like, oh, should I go traditional? Should I go indie? Mm-hmm. So I got some news a couple of weeks ago that the first five books in my traditional series, the LA Avery series, they're going to be made into audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, email out of the blue guess what? We've sold these rights for you. Congratulations. And I had no input on, I have no input at all on the cover, narrator, um, like royalty negotiations, none of that. So that's all outside my control. Mm -hmm. If you, if you like the idea of handing things off and somebody else handling all that, then that's definitely something you want to look at. But for me, knowing the other side of it now, because I, I negotiated a, a audiobook licensing deal for one of my series, mm-hmm. and I got all those things. I got narrate approval. I got cover approval. I negotiated mm-hmm. the royalties. So it took time, you know, mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, it'll be good because it'll bring new people in. I'll get new readers. Mm-hmm. So that's just something to consider. So yeah, yeah. yay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, it's just so weird that out of the blue, somebody tells you something about your books that aren't yeah. really your books anymore. You've sold yeah. them. So, yeah. 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 And I think I've seen this over and over again. If my indie books do well, it boosts my traditionally published books. Mm-hmm. And like, I, you're I, never getting those rights back. No, I'm never getting those rights back. And I've just mentally written those off and said goodbye to those. But, um, well, I can ask for them back at like 25 years. There's that. Oh, uh, good. Well, yeah. yeah. So I get on my calendar, <laughs> but I've seen that again and again. Like I'll do, like I was able to get a book bug back in like, I think it was 2012, 2013. And it wasn't long after that, that the traditional publisher started getting book bubs for their authors and they you know, like things. So I've done well in audiobook, and now, you know, and so it's fine. It just, it's just something that you need to think about if you're yeah. debating. So right. are you okay with never getting those books back? Yep. Not being in control of right. how it goes. Cause they had those audiobook rights since 2006 yeah. and, and just, just now I'm bringing them out. Wow. So, gosh. So, just a little, a little tip for you to think about. That is crazy. But yeah, so that's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Food Um, for thought. (laughs) Food for thought for sure. For sure. Uh, We've only got a few, couple more weeks, 2020. And I will tell you that I'm so glad we had Becca on when she was like, 2020 is not just going to be over the day that, you know, January 1st, which is true. But um, hmm. There's just yesterday I kind of got some news about something and I was like, Oh, of course it's that way. It's mm-hmm. 2020. So, you know, we'll just have to kind of keep going. Just keep going. I'm back to writing and yeah. I'm feeling yeah. good about that. And yeah. slowly, but surely getting some yeah. more words down. Yeah. It'll be good. It'll feel good to finish, to finish something this year. I mean, I finished yeah. homecoming King, but um, to finish something else this year will feel great. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, we should get on with the show because Candy has a lot of really great things to say. Yes. Really good interview. So stay tuned Mm -hmm. for that. All right. So today we have Candy Steiner with us on the podcast. Hi, Candy. How are you? Hey, doing great. How are y'all? We're great. We're so glad you're here. Oh, I'm excited to be here. It's going to be really fun. (laughs) Yeah. So let me read your bio and then Jamie will start us off with some questions. Candy Steiner is a best-selling author and whiskey connoisseur living in Tampa, Florida. Candy graduated from the University of Central Florida with a double major in creative writing and advertising slash PR. How clever of you. With a minor in women's <laughs> studies. She's best known for writing emotional roller coaster stories. She loves bringing flawed characters to life and bringing out the real raw romance in all its forms. When Katie isn't writing, you can find her reading books of all kinds talking with an extremely vocal cat and spending time with her family and friends and her new puppy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So Candy, tell us how you got into writing. Oh gosh. So I've been writing my whole life. Um, it, I mean, I think it was third grade was the first time I really wrote something and it was a poem about a boy, right? How often does that that happen? (laughs) Um, And I read um, with my classmates the first Harry Potter installment in fourth grade. And I had started to fall in love with reading. Um, I I had read um, Secret Window and... um, 
just a couple of other ones that I'd really fallen in love with. Mm -hmm. And then I read Harry Potter and I went home and I told my mom, I said, I no longer want to be a rock star or a vet. (laughs) I want to be JK Rowling. So I started writing from that, from that point on. I mean, I, um, I wrote short stories and poems a lot. And when I was in middle school, um, I actually made my own newspaper because there was not one for the middle school. But when I I say newspaper lightly, it was more like a 11 and 12 year olds version of people magazine. I would talk about (laughs) gossip and (laughs) movies and, um, who was dating who and stuff like that. That's amazing. Yeah. It was a good time um, yeah. until my, my principal shut it down and said I couldn't do it anymore. And I went straight into his office and sat down and I said, um, I have the freedom of the press to write this magazine. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up striking up a deal. He said, how about I let you write something for the high school newspaper and then we'll stop this middle school newspaper. And I said, okay. So that was the deal we made. <laughs> oh, good. I was glad you didn't have to go underground. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I, I wrote, so I wrote my first book that, um, in middle school as well, but I, again, book, it was like a short story and, um, nobody has read it other than my mom. And I don't, I didn't even save it. I don't have a copy of it or anything, but I do remember that it was about, um, a little girl being bullied and then she falls down at an assembly and wakes up and all of a sudden she's popular and everybody loves her. And they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, do you want to be a cheerleader? Do you want to sit at the cool table? And, and um, she ends up finding out at the end of the story that she'd had a concussion, but throughout the story, she finds out that being popular is not all it's cracked up all to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's so you funny. really wrote your first bully romance. I did. You were ahead of the time. <laughs> I did. You're way ahead of the curve. Oh, man. Awesome. Well, so what is your definition of success? Oh, I love that question. Um, it's funny because I actually, I've done a couple of um, episodes of Wrangling the Writer and, and questions on panels where I talk about specifically with indie romance authors, how you may have to redefine what success means to you at various points in your career. Um, I think a lot of us were goal-driven, right? Um, it's really difficult to be an independently published author unless you are very driven by accomplishing something because it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hard work to put in a lot of um, self-motivation and dedication to your craft. So a lot of the times we judge our success based on did I um, hit the top 100 on Amazon? Did I hit a financial goal that I had in mind? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes those goals, I, I think they're always great to make. And when you meet them, it feels awesome. But there's sometimes when you don't come close to hitting those goals or um, maybe you hit them and you don't feel fulfilled. And in that case, I think you have to stop and ask yourself, what does, what does success mean for you in this moment? Mm-hmm. Um, I've had it change for me. Sometimes it's financially driven. Most of the time for me, it's, did I reach somebody? Did I reach a reader? Did I impact someone's life? And um, so for me, a lot of the success comes from getting messages from my readers online. It is, to me, that's how I know I've done my job. If I get an email from somebody that's never met me and never heard of me before and says, I just read your book and it helped me in a tough time, or I felt seen, or it helped me escape and I was laughing, any of those things. Because right. for me, writing is all about the human experience. Um, it's about connecting with somebody and letting letting my readers know that they're not alone in the way they feel and the way they think, um, or maybe just providing a little escape from reality. Um, there's so many things that writing and reading can do. Um, 
So I think for me, success is all about that. It's, it's that, that human experience. And I try to keep that at the forefront of my mind, no matter what happens on release day, no matter what happens the couple weeks after, did I reach somebody with that book? Yes. Great. Then my job is done. That's great. And what was your first book, book success? I mean, which, which of your books really sort of took off for you? So my first one that broke out was weightless and gosh, I can still close my eyes and go back to that time in my life. And it was, I will, I don't think I will ever experience the feelings, the roller coaster of emotions that I did in those three months leading up to when weightless released. And then the month after, um, I remember weightless, I had started writing and then put away because it felt very scary. Mm-hmm. It was too big. It was too involved. I didn't think I had the chops to write it. And so I just scared myself out of doing it. And I stuck with, I was still writing angst, but it was more like romantic comedy angst, kind of yeah. light college, just yeah. very fun. Um, and my good friend, Stacy Hart, um, mm-hmm. pushed me to write this book and I did, and I did the cover and I, I had it in beta. And I remember the cover reveal happened and Goodreads just exploded. It was like everyone was adding my book to their shelves. Everyone was talking about it online and sharing the cover. And I was, I was kind of scared, like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? I'm a little anxious. And I I did a 99 cent pre-order. Um, back then that was a big strategy, especially if you were in KU. It was like do 99 cents for five days. You get a lot of sales. You get your rank kind of like climbing a little bit. And I remember the night before release day going to bed and I was in the like 300, 300s and which was the highest I had ever been. I was in, in shock already. Mm-hmm. And then that day I called out of my day job. <laughs> I like took the day. I took a vacation day and Stacy and I were on um, video chat with another good friend of ours, Becca. And um, they were on the video chat with me when I hit number 76 and Stacy said, candy, candy. I was talking about something. She was candy, candy. I was going to tell you, your rank just updated and you're number 76 on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I burst into tears. Um, I immediately ended that video chat to go into my reader group, Candyland, because they had been there through every from the very beginning, from when I wrote Tag Chaser. Right. And I went in there and just bawled on camera and talked to them. You can still watch that video. It's still in Candyland if you want to see it. Um, and it was unbelievable. Um, and I, and I, I will never forget that feeling and, and that overwhelming sense of thankfulness and, um, and just being so grateful that, that that experience was happening to me and, and my whole life changed from that moment on. I mean, I didn't believe it at first. I published a level art of whiskey a few months later and, you know, again, hit Amazon's top 100. And then a few months after that published revelry and the same thing happened, but it wasn't until revelry came out that I felt confident enough to say, okay, I think I can leave my, my big girl job. Right. Mm -hmm. And pursue writing, um, as my one and only career. And I've never looked back. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's such a great story too. I just love, I mean, I could feel the emotion and, and stuff. Um, when my third book came out, I had, the, the ranks had not updated all day, you know, it was that thing. And I was like, I've got to get out of here. So I just left and went to the movie. Like I just had to get out. <laughs> and I get out of the movie well, when the movie's over, I turn my phone on and I've got all these messages and it was like, I hadn't even broke the top 100. I think I'd gone to two, like 300 in the store, which was as low as I'd ever been. And I got to my car and I called Maria Lewis and 
I was like, oh my gosh. And she said, you are 266. And I mean, like I sat in the car and cried and it was just 266. You just, that's amazing. But I mean, you know, it wasn't the top 100, but it was that same feeling of, oh my gosh, like this actually, the things I worked on and the, the, the steps I took really worked. I mean, it's just kind of an amazing feeling and and, it's incredible. Uh, yeah. So it, it's, I mean, it's that sense of, of, like you said, working so yeah. hard and, and especially with writing, right. It's kind of like a solo thing. Yeah. Like you are in the dirt struggling by yourself for right. 95% of the time. So when you get to that point where right. it feels like, wow, it, it worked, it paid off and, and people are reading my book. It's there's, there's no feeling like it. I was just going to say, I think it's really important to just celebrate that. You cut out, Sarah, are you there? Yeah. Yes. Okay, because started. that's, I mean, it's just that, oh my gosh, like if I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's just the ma- most amazing feeling. And it's, it's so great when you get to share it with your group. That was another thing. I just think that because I do that all the time. I mean, I just think it's so important that the people who helped you because clearly they did and they're talking about it and they're, you know, that's just so great that you did that. I love that that video is still up. I'm going to go watch it. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> It's very entertaining. <laughs> yeah. So what do you wish you'd known about writing and craft when you started? Wow. Um, I, there's a lot of stuff I still wish I knew <laughs> that I'm, I am constantly learning um, from reading um, myself. You know, I'll read a really great book and be like, wow, I love the way that these sentences were structured. It was so powerful. Or I loved the reveal of this scene, or I loved the development of this character. And I, I am taking notes all the time when I'm reading and just thinking about what I love or what I don't like and things that I want not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I wish I'd known most in the beginning is how valuable a professional editor is. Um, when I first got started, and I think for a lot of indies, right, we're chasing this dream. We are saving every penny we can to put into our business. And it's hard. It's hard to take that hard-earned money and not take a vacation or go buy something you want or go hang out with your friends and, and be social on the weekends and to take that and put it into a business, especially when it's not um, you're not seeing a return yet. Right. But I tell everybody now who comes to me, the most important thing you need to do while you're writing your book is put a savings away to pay a professional editor because I was using a friend for the first three or four books and she was wonderful. I mean, she's a great, um, she's, she's a wonderful friend and she, she did have, um, some background in editing, but it wasn't nearly what I needed. And, and I, I look back on some of those earlier books and kind of cringe because they could have been so much better if I would have had a professional editor pushing me and showing me things that I was doing incorrectly. Because as we all know, when you're the writer and you're in the zone writing, you're not thinking about grammar. You're not thinking about the appropriate way to use commas or quotation marks or dialogue tags or whatever. So it's okay to be in that zone. It's okay to not be the best when it comes to that sort of thing, but just make sure to pay somebody to kind of follow in your foot in your footsteps and, and clean up. Right. Um, so I wish that I would have known the value of that, um, back then. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I think we all improve over time. And as we, like, I think back to my first books and, you know, I had an editor and it was, you know, I just, some of those, I think, oh man, I don't even want to look at them right now because I know (laughs) that I will have changed a lot. (laughs) I know. So so, yeah, that's, but it also is good because it shows progression that we're not static and that we're growing. So I think there is that too. 
I agree. I think that, I mean, every time I write a book, right, there's always this fear. We have imposter syndrome. We have fear of failure. We have all these, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves (laughs) more so than anybody else puts on us. And I will always have this moment of, gosh, will I ever write a book that's better than a love letter to whiskey? Will I ever write a book that's more poignant than on the way to you? Will I ever be able to write something as gripping as the best kept secrets series, whatever. And then I'll send it to an alpha or a beta, or I'll see a review on Goodreads and one line makes everything worth it. This is the best writing I've seen from this author, or this is your best writing yet. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) progression, nail it. (laughs) Which is always good. Well, what about marketing? What do you wish you had known about marketing? Uh, That it is never ending and that no matter (laughs) how hard you push and no matter how hard you work, and even if you get those little, those little morsels of success with your marketing, it still never ends. And you never hit Mm -hmm. a point where you can stop. You never hit a point where you can rest. You never hit a point where you can say, cool, hands up. I don't have to worry about this anymore, especially as an indie author. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, I had to make peace with the fact that marketing is going to be a part of my career every single day. And, and you know what? I like it now. I like it. I enjoy (laughs) thinking about social media and what I'm going to do there. I enjoy thinking about my Facebook ads and my Amazon ads and Yes, there are frustrating times. There are times when I look at results and it's not what I wanted, but there are times when it pays off and when good things happen that I'm like, yes, okay, see all that work you're putting in, it's working. Even if some of it is is failing, you're still finding those little um, things that are clicking and, and making you money and that's great. Um, so I wish I just would have known back then that like I wasn't going to hit this, like it's not like climbing a mountain and getting to the top and being like, we, I did it and that's it. <laughs> It's a, it's a continuous climb. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think advice for, for young authors, um, in this realm is just to make it enjoyable. Don't look at marketing like this big chore and this big task, find a way to make it fun for you, whether that's, um, giving yourself challenges each month or goals each month, something you want to try, something new you want to advertise, pick a book in your backlist that you love and think about ways to get people to download the audio. Think about ways to get people to pick up the ebook or maybe run a sale on your signed paperbacks and get those on bookshelves and get them on Instagram and things like that. There's so much you can do outside of just creating one Facebook ad and then duplicating it over and over and over, you know? Um, so make it fun and then just remember that the work never ends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is very true. I think that, um, I came to a point where I realized that there will always be more. There'll always be more. Always. I mean, I love marketing, but even I will kind of go, whoo. I need I a know. break, but there's no break. I mean, you gotta, you gotta keep moving. Keep, keep for me, for me, it's the hardest when I'm really into my story and I want to just spend my whole day mm-hmm. dedicated to writing, right. but it, you know, you can't, you can't just like disappear offline. You can't just, I mean, you can, there are definitely authors who will right. go into the cave, right. And, and, and go away. But for me personally, I like to keep my algorithms rewarding me by continually posting and keeping things up. And I also love to be connected to my readers. Um, I think it might be my FOMO, right? I have fear of missing out. <laughs> with my readers and I just want to, I'm like, you guys are my best friends. Let's, let's talk. Like, what are you reading? What's going on in your life? And, um, and I love that kind of stuff, but yes, it's very challenging, especially when I just want to write or when there's things in life going on, like a brand new puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think making it fun helps. 
That's great. So what assumptions did you make at the beginning of your writing career? And looking back, did they turn out to be right or wrong? Well, I made a lot of assumptions. Um, when I first started writing, so the first book that I wrote, I never, I didn't think this was going to be a career. I was standing in the midnight in the in line for the midnight premiere of Breaking Dawn Part Two, and mm-hmm. I looked at one of my close friends and I just said, "Um, I just wanted to let you know, uh, my New Year's resolution is to write a book and publish it. Um, so I'm excited." And she was like, "Cool." And that was kind of where it was. I just wanted to do it. I just wanted to say, I've graduated from college now. I love to write and I don't want my writing to stop now that I've graduated, but my big girl job doesn't really facilitate me writing. So I guess that means I'm going to have to do it on my own. And I had just recently read a a couple of indie romances that I was like, wow, this is fun. I want to do this. This is cool. Um, so I assumed that it wouldn't be a career. And then I published Tag Chaser and I started getting emails and messages on Goodreads and Facebook and people saying, what about Tanner? What about Tanner? What about Tanner? What about Tanner? Tanner was the best friend who didn't get the girl. Mm-hmm. So I wrote Tanner's story and it was like this dripping faucet just turned into a waterfall. It was gushing and I could not um, stop yeah. it. It's like, I assumed that I had one idea and that was it. Wrong. Mm-hmm. Um I assumed that people were going to like the people that I loved most in my life and the people closest to me were going to be unwaveringly supportive of this and that they were going to be big cheerleaders and fans and buy all my books and share my books online. That Mm -hmm. didn't happen. (laughs) That was a big um, wake up call. And you know, I don't, I'm not mad at anybody. And I actually just did like a, a little wrangling the writer on, on writing without a support system, because here's the thing, everybody's got their own stuff going on in their life and somebody saying, I'm going to write a book or I'm writing a book is, is one thing. Um, they might wish you well, um, but nobody understands how difficult it is to sit down with a blank blinking cursor in front of you and try to create something. It's insanely difficult. And most people don't care until it's done. Like it's not an accomplishment until you say, I have written a book. I have published a book. And then all of a sudden people kind of perk up and pay attention. Um, And sadly, even then, sometimes they judge you and and think it's not good enough, right? Like, oh, you published a book, but you only have a couple of reviews and it looks like not many people are reading it and "Mm, good try. And then you have a little bit of success and all of a sudden everyone's like, wow, this is my friend's book. Look at my friend's book. Oh my gosh, my friend's book is in the Amazon top 100. And you're like, where were you guys two years ago? (laughs) Exactly. Or, you know, like my husband has never read my books. He's incredibly supportive in every other way, but he doesn't read my books because he says, and this is true. He's not my audience. So yeah. <laughs> like the great parts of my book would be lost on him because he doesn't, you know I mean? He, but he's so supportive in so many other ways. Like, Oh yeah. Uh, but, but then they're like, family members who they do read romance. They just don't read mine, which is okay. Mm. I don't really care, but you know, it, it, it's just, that's something you have to kind of come to grips with. Mm-hmm. Like you do. You yeah. I think just, I think just having like having like one person in your corner is really all you need. Like when I first started writing, Weightless was such a, such an emotional release for me for many reasons. But one of them being that I was in a mentally unhealthy relationship, marriage. Um, Mm -hmm. and the more that my writing took off, the more 
that I realized how ugly our relationship was. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was like the more successful I got, the more resentful he got. And Mm -hmm. it was never a loving, supportive kind of thing. It was, you're spending too much time writing. I'm not a priority in your life. Um, this will always be a hobby. I would love to play basketball for a living, but that's never going to happen. Be realistic. It was just these things that I never expected to come from someone who had vowed to love and support me and be there and all those things. And my mom was the one in my corner. My mom was the one saying, keep going, keep pushing. You can do this. I'm reading every book. She was, she was my hardest beta reader in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, goodness, my mom gave me critique that made me cry, but in the best way. In the best way. Um, But, you know, so I tell, I've I've seen it happen to many women, you know, when they start pursuing these, because, and this is probably another topic that we could spend hours on, but, you know, as women, we're sort of expected to like put what we want on the back burner, like, right? Like we're the mom, we're the wife, we're going to do the thing. We're going to get everything done around the house. We're going to also work our full-time job. We're going to make sure the kids are happy, make sure the husband's happy, take care of the dog, take care of the cat and somehow find a way to go to the gym and keep our figure stacked too. Like it, it's, it's insane. So when you come out as a woman and say, I want to do something that has nothing to do with anybody else but myself and it's a personal goal, Sometimes it's hard for others around us to accept that, especially sort of like the old fashioned mindset of maybe some of our older relatives or some of our older friends or whatever the case may be. Um, It's just very interesting um, to see how the people around you react to your journey of writing. Yes, very true. Right. Right. Yeah. I I was surprised at who bought my books when the first book came out. I was like, oh, Thank you. I, some people surprised me by supporting me that I didn't expect. Yeah. Other people, I was like, hmm, would have thought you would have had a copy by now, but yeah. that's okay. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I know. Yeah. It, it is. I had the same thing, like people from high school or college or um, acquaintances at work who were really supportive, and that mm-hmm. was incredible to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it also just, you know, it was a, it's a good reminder to everybody that, you know, whenever you're hustling and you're chasing your dream, um, there's going to be times when it's lonely and, and there's going to be times when you feel like you're the only one standing in your corner, but that's okay. Stand strong yeah. in that corner and get her done because yeah. you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. I have a woman that I was, yeah, exactly. I was teaching her daughter swimming lessons and when I was right as Rockstar was getting ready to be published or during the year I was writing it. And we sort of stayed friends and she got on my first art team and has stayed on the art team. She writes great reviews. She shares the book. It's the funniest thing. It's like this woman. That's amazing. I didn't know it was just a kind of a chance encounter. And I didn't really go around telling people I was writing a book necessarily, but we got on the subject of reading and that's how it came up. And, it's just been the funniest thing. In fact, just not too long ago, she shared something and it was so nice and so complimentary, but also like, oh, I made a connection. That's right. so awesome. You know? <laughs> I actually I reconnected with, I reconnected with a girl I went to high school with funny. We never interacted in high school, like ever. I mean, I'd seen her around. Yeah. I knew who she was, but we had never talked, but I saw that she was in a few of the groups right. of authors that I was reading. Um, like Jen Sterling and um, Jillian Dodd and things like that. And so when I started writing Tag Chaser, I reached out to her and I was like, I know this is crazy. Would you be interested in beta reading for me? 
And she has been my beta reader ever since. I actually named one of my characters after her in my second book. Like she has become such an instrumental part of my process and such an amazing friend. Like we are now very close friends. It's just, it's so incredible. And that's what I love about the book world is, is Mm -hmm. how you can find friends from all over the place and, and maybe even some in your own backyard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Books connect people. Exactly. It's so interesting. Exactly. They do. So um, we like to ask about mistakes and lessons learned. So have you ever made a mistake that turned out to be a good thing? Oh gosh, a mistake that ended up being a good thing. Um, hmm. This is one of those that um, it's, it's hard to, to think of it off the top of my head. Right. Um, well, we have a follow-up. Okay. Of a, of a different kind. <laughs> okay. So what about this? Have you ever had an idea that you thought this is so awesome, it's going to do so well, and then it turned out to be not so great? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that one's a little easier to answer, answer, isn't it? <laughs> I can easily answer that one. You know, one and that shocked, not shocked me, but one that I think personally hurt was um, writing Reese's book from my Best Kept Secret series. So at the time when I wrote this series... It was just what he doesn't know and what he always knew. It was a duet. That was all that was planned. That was it. The end. I had no intention of going back to that world. Um, Mm -hmm. But as I was writing the second book, I could not let go of Reese. I just, I needed, I needed to, I needed to write a happy ever after for him. And Mm -hmm. at the end of book two, my readers were demanding it. I mean, they were like, where is Reese? What happened to Reese? We need more on Reese. And so what I ended up finding out was that writing Reese was very difficult for me emotionally. He was a broken, battered boy. He had a lot of stuff going on, a lot of emotional turmoil that really messed him up. And he was a musician. So like very in touch with his feelings, very deep and dark and all of that, right? We all, we all know what it's like to write a musician. Yeah. Um, so writing for him and then I brought in this, this, the heroine that was born for him was absolutely not what I expected. She was way younger. Um, she was from a completely different race and culture and background. Um, but the music was what tied them together. And Mm -hmm. writing this book was, it's one of my favorite books I've ever written. Um, I felt like I poured my heart and soul into it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is more than my readers could ever even ask for. It's more than I ever expected. And it came out and just went uh, and flopped so, so bad, oh, so God. bad. I mean, it might as well have been, I look at my dashboard, like my, like my financial income dashboard for that month. And it looks like I didn't even release a book. And it's like, to this day, one of my least read, least borrowed, least purchased. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting. Um, and it, and it hurt. It really hurt. So here I had, I was like, oh, this is here, this best selling duet. Now I'm writing the third one. It's going to be a smash hit. Everyone's going to love it. And it just didn't turn out that way. Um, but I think what I learned from that is no matter what, you've got to write for you. You know, you've got to write, don't listen to what you think people want. Don't do what you think will sell. You have to write for yourself. And if you do that, you'll be okay with it. Because when what he never knew didn't perform, I think if I would have only written it because people were asking for it, I would have been devastated. I would have been knocked down. I would have been like, I did what you asked me to do and you didn't want it. And I don't know what to do for you anymore. But instead I waited. uh, I mean, I didn't write it right after the duet. I wrote it a year later after I had written a couple of other books when I was ready to write it, when I had a story to tell. And when I was emotionally invested in it, 
I loved it. I loved writing it. I loved the finished product. I was proud of it. So even though financially it didn't do what I expected it to do, I still was like, I love this book and I'm proud of this book. And I don't consider this book a failure. And I accepted it for what it was and I moved forward. And um, it was just a learning, a learning lesson. And to this day, I, I always remind myself when I'm feeling pressured to write something I don't want to write, I'm like, don't do it. You know that if you right. do that, it, you're going to end up in, in a place that you don't want to be. So I listen to right. what I want to write. And even if it doesn't perform well, <laughs> I'm happy. Um, PSU, great example. If you, um, if you know about my Palm South University series, it's my passion project. I'm obsessed with those characters and the story. And they are by far my like least financially successful series. But the readers who love that series, they are like a cult. Like I don't even care if anybody else ever reads it because I love going in that group. And like the night before the next book releases, it's like a frenzy and everyone's just dying and waiting up till midnight. And it reminds me of me being a kid and waiting at a Barnes and Noble, right? For my favorite books to release. And I miss that. I think we've kind of lost that a little bit. So I love it. I think we have. I love that. Well, that, that, this is a great segue into my, into our next question. And I want to set it up by saying that I went on a retreat with Candy uh, in February, right before everything shut down. Thank God we did that, by the oh, way. Oh, I'm so um, happy we did. I and, uh, but it was a retreat that had been, you guys had done for a couple of years, right? A few mm-hmm. years. Yeah. And it was my first year. And so we broke up into little groups and Candy was one of the group leaders and we sort of did some questions and stuff. And the first night I was in, um, I think I was in Stacy's group. And then the next night I was in your group and people were like, Oh, you're in, you're in Candy's group. Be sure and take some tissue. Um, cause Candy <laughs> really gets the feelings and stuff. So I, I loved, it was great. It was so <laughs> awesome. But so that, but it, the question is, how important do you think mindset is? And I know that you think it's very important. And you have, I think, just from the outside looking in, it looks like you've kind of created not only a career, but your whole life around this this idea of mindset. And would you just oh, yeah. kind of elaborate on that for us? I think it's really yeah. I love that question. Thank you for asking it. Um, you know, I... I grew up in um, a not so great um, ch- childhood upbringing. I mean, my, I I don't want to say I love my family. I had a great family, but you know, we were yeah. not well off. There were some abusive situations. There were just some not some not great scenarios that we found ourselves in. And um, through all of that, I sort of had this this um, adaptation of be sunshiny and happy and ignore your feelings and ignore what you're feeling. Because if you're happy, you can make someone laugh and you can pretend like everything's fine and it's going to be great. And, and as I've gotten older, I've sort of slowed down a little bit and started asking myself the tougher questions of, are you okay? If you're not okay, why? And what, what can you do for yourself to make sure that you are okay? And just those three simple questions have opened up a completely new path for me. Um, I think mindset is the most important thing, not just in any career, but in anyone's life. I strongly advocate for taking time to be still, whether that means meditating or going for a walk or sitting in your backyard or whatever, whatever that means for you, but taking a moment to just sit with yourself and, and check in with yourself because we get so caught up in how busy life is that we forget to do that. And especially with writing, it is so important. How many people do y'all know who have hit burnout? Cause I can name yeah. tons, dozens, dozens of people. Um, 
And fortunately, I've been able to avoid that, but it's not without sacrifice, right? In order to avoid burnout, you have to take breaks when maybe you wish that you didn't have to, mm-hmm. right. but your, your body and your mind, they tell you what they need. It's just a matter of if you're like willing to listen <laughs> <laughs> or if you're too stubborn and, and you kind of put those goals and what you think you want, right. um, ahead of your happiness. Um, you know, we, we think that if we hit a point, if I, if I just get a bestseller, I'll be happy. If I just get a top 50, I'll be happy. If I get a top 20, I'll be happy. If I get a top 10, if I make X amount of money, I'll be happy. If I can publish this many times a year, I'll be happy. And what ends up happening is you get to those milestones and you look to the next one. You think, oh, wow, this is great. And this does feel good. Now what? Right. Mm -hmm. So I think we can all benefit from just taking a moment and not saying, What could I get that can make me happy? But what makes me happy right now? So I spend a lot of time, spend a lot of time in the mornings being like, Wow, like I'm so thankful that it's cold in Florida today. I get to wear a sweater. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that I have a really furry, cute, adorable cat that's been in my life for (laughs) for nine years. I, and thankful for, you know, whatever. And, and I listed on and on. And especially with writing, you know, on those days mm-hmm. when it's tough, when my characters aren't talking, when my deadline is looming, when I fall into the comparison trap and look at what other people are doing and how successful they're being and, and just thinking that I'm failing in some manner, I'll stop and say, I'm so thankful that I have a reader group with more people than just me and my mom. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so thankful that I am able to write books and, and pay my bills. Like, you yeah. know, it, it, it's, it's perspective and mindfulness at the forefront of everything for me. And I think that will help me keep my sanity. Um, and, and I think it's an important thing to just check in with yourself and make sure that you're okay. Because if you're not, and you're sort of putting this pressure on yourself and, and falling victim to this hustle and bustle mindset, you're going to lose out on the joy of writing. And there's so much joy to be had in this, in this journey, but you, you have to be still to feel it. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Gosh, that's a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think mindset is everything. I mean, I didn't realize that, but the longer I do this, the more I realize that the way you think impacts what you're able to do and how you feel is just amazing. It, it really impacts. is. You so, know, I, I, I'm sorry. I just want to, you know, one of the meditations that I've done recently, I do the Calm app and I highly recommend that to anybody. If you're, if you're unfamiliar with meditation or you think it's weird, check it out. Um, but one of the things she said was, you know, it's, e- it's easy to be sad or um, down if you're thinking about all the things that you don't have, mm-hmm. all the things that you can't have. But if you start instead thinking about all the things you do have and the things that um, you know are in your reach right now in this moment, it completely changes your mindset. And I have never learned a truer lesson. I mean, mm-hmm. it, will, it will just revamp your entire way of thinking if you, if you try that. And it's hard. It's, it's not easy <laughs> to do but it's very beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. There's my cat. (laughs) It's an advanced maneuver. Yeah. It is. It is. It is. is. It's funny. I'm writing that down by the way. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we're going to switch gears just a little bit and ask you about Instagram because I think you like Instagram a lot and you seem to just really have some, what we want to know, like what tips and ideas you would have for other authors who want to use Instagram. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I, 
Instagram, I love Instagram and I don't know if it's the hotness anymore, right? Everyone's on TikTok <laughs> and stuff. And um, I know there's a lot of other places you can be. Um, but yeah, my reader group on Facebook, Candyland, and then my Instagram, those are my favorite places to be. If you ever see me posting on either one of those, it's always me. Um, so I utilize a, a personal assistant to help with like my Facebook page and things like that. Um, but Anytime that I'm on Instagram, it's me. And and I really do. I love being there. As far as advice for what to do on Instagram, I think the biggest thing I can say is be yourself. Be so authentic that it's scary. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to put your face up there. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to share your whole life. But think about what makes you you. Think about the people you follow and engage with on Instagram and why you love to, what is it that they're posting? Cause I guarantee you don't love when they're posting. Like I follow a lot of people in the fitness world Mm -hmm. and I don't follow them because they're trying to sell me yoga mats. I don't follow them because they're trying to sell me sports bras. Mm -hmm. I follow them because I love their, their philosophy on life. I love their body positivity. I love that. They're always motivating me on the days that I'm not motivated myself. I love getting a sneak peek into their lives and seeing behind the scenes of someone who is known around the world for doing yoga. Like what even is that? Right. (laughs) So for me, when I'm on Instagram, I don't think of it as I'm posting to however many followers I have and these random people off in the interwebs. I think of it like I'm sitting down to update my best friend on life. I'm having a phone call with my best friend. And what do I want to say to my best friend today? Sometimes I want to show her a picture of my cute new puppy. Sometimes I want to tell her about a book I'm writing. Sometimes I want to motivate her because I, I think maybe she needs a little bit of a pep talk. Um, and maybe that's me that needs the pep talk. So I write it out <laughs> for myself and for, for other people. Yeah. Um, so I, whenever I do panels and whenever um, I do you know, online courses, I ask writers to write down five pillars that make up who they are. That's really difficult to do, right? Um, And I'm like, outside of writing and reading, because we already know that you're a bookworm and we already know you love to write, but what else? Mm -hmm. Like, are you really family motivated? Like, do you um, you spend a lot of time on your garden? Do you um, really enjoy uh, certain types of wine? Do you love to travel? Do you Mm -hmm. have a dog that you spend all your time? Whatever, whatever your pillar is. Maybe it's, um, you know, maybe you're really into hippie stuff, right? And you do like crystals and horoscopes and things Mm -hmm. like that. There's so many interesting parts of us outside of writing and reading. And the fantastic thing about Instagram and social media in general is you can use these things that you love, these interesting things about you to showcase how great of a writer you are and hook your readers without them even knowing. So you talk passionately about how much you love your garden and give some gardening tips. You've got people reading your caption, seeing how well how knowledgeable you are, how well you can write, how clear it is. You're inspiring them. You're making them laugh or, or engaging them in some way. And all of a sudden that next time that you post and say, I've got a new book out or I've got a book sale. They're a little more interested. Right. You may not get them on the first time. You may not get them on the second time. You may not get them until they've been your follower for a couple of years. Mm-hmm but you're building a brand and showcasing that you are there as part of the community rather than someone who's just trying to sell them something. And when they do finally take a chance on you, if you hook them, they're there forever. They're there for life. Those are the ones that are tagging and posting and doing reviews on release day and, and just making you feel like a rock star. And it's all about being authentic and showing them I'm a human too. I'm a person just like you. And I would love 
you to just like be here and hang out with me on social media. That's great. Yeah, that's great. And I love too how you you do your takeover. It's takeover Tuesday, right? I do. Yeah. So you give another author the entire day on your on your Instagram, and I just love I that. I just think Thank it's so you. generous, and and I think that it's you know I'm, because I do follow you. I mean, I've found authors that I didn't even know about. Um, I love that. Yeah. That makes me so happy. And yeah, you know, I, I really do. I love that. But takeover uh, Tuesday. Sorry, Takeover Tuesday is is so big for me as well as Wrangling the Writer. And it's because I have always been a firm believer that women get so much more out of building each other up and supporting each other than tearing each other down and thinking that this is some like cat fight or or competition. Um, And I have so many friends that I've made in this industry, Jamie included, um, where I, you know, through us helping each other and just, and just saying like, I don't, I don't want you to fail. I want you to succeed. How can I help you succeed? How can you help me succeed? How can we better each other? You find these amazing friendships and I, I get joy out of seeing people succeed. I just got tagged in a comment. Marley Valentine took over my, uh, on takeover Tuesdays and someone tagged me in a comment and said, I heard about this book on Candy's Takeover Tuesdays and I read it in the last two nights and I am amazed that epilogue was uh, incredible. You've got a lifelong fan. And I was like, this is what it's all about. She can have my readers because guess what? My readers don't just read my books. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And you know, because I do not publish books very fast. I mean, I don't expect that my readers just hang around waiting for one book to come out. I mean, right. I love exposing them to other other authors because they're not. If those authors aren't taking my readers away, we're just we're just sharing. I'm sharing great books and great authors with them, and um, and then I'm sharing my audience with the, with these great authors. And I just I don't Absolutely. I don't see the competition. I don't understand no. people who do. Um, no. I get it, I guess, but not really because. <laughs> They're just, you know, there's just so many readers. I mean, there's no way one person could satisfy all the readers. So I just, I, I love that you do that. I think it's awesome. And you just talked about, you've talked about wrangling the writer a couple of times. Can you tell our listeners what, what that is? And uh, tell us why you started wrangling, wrangling the writer. Sure. It actually ties into the story I told earlier about what he never knew. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, again, that release had not gone according to plan. And, um, I just, I noticed a lot of other authors in various groups were talking about like releases that had not been successful and what it had done to them, how it had kind of knocked and they were, you know, struggling. So, um, I, I did a, a video on Instagram and I just was talking candidly about how to bounce back from a release when it was not a success, um, how to bounce back from a bad release. And I got all these messages from writers being like, thank you for posting this. I thought I was alone. This was so helpful. I feel motivated again. I feel like I can do this and whatever. And so I started asking, I did a questionnaire and I said, what are you struggling with as a writer right now? And I started doing writer Wednesdays where I would just go on and I would literally hold the camera in front of my face and answer questions in a couple minutes and stuff like that. And then I just decided that I wanted to make it something um, that was continuous, that I could have a dialogue with other writers who followed me and just say, I see your struggles. I've been there too. Let's talk about it. And um, so now I don't do every Wednesday. Now I do it maybe once every month or two. It's a little more stagnant, but um, 
I just keep an ear out for people um, who are struggling. Sometimes I'll ask questions. Sometimes I get direct messages um, from people who have watched and have other questions. And I just try to use my knowledge to help um, writers at all levels, um, however I can, and um, just keep that community one of sharing and supporting each other. Um, so if you want to read or to listen to those, I try to keep them under 10 minutes. Sometimes they go a little <laughs> long, um, but you can just go to my uh, Instagram profile and then tap over to IGTV and you can see those all there. Right, right. They're great. And that so great. what are some of the things, like what are the popular themes that people who write into other authors? What do you notice that there are some common, yes. like reoccurring issues or questions? Yes. Time <laughs> management is always like time management just, is number one. It's like, I just watched yours on time management. It's really good. I mean, you know, <laughs> thank you. I've done stuff and it's like different levels, right. And different shades uh-huh. of time management. It's like time management with writing and like hitting a deadline. It's time management with balancing social media and marketing with writing. It's time management with, um, a specific manuscript and like how, how, how to like stay dedicated when you don't feel motivated, right? Like how to get those words. And there's so much. Um, so I see that one come up a lot, marketing and ads and social media frequent ask, um, right. Which when I do videos on that, I I always have to give a disclaimer, like, look, I'm not going to unlock some secret recipe where overnight you're going to make a million dollars because suddenly you figured out Facebook ads. It's not, that's not the way it works. So unless you're paying, um, an agency to like continually work for you. And even then they're going to tell you, Hey, this is not going to be an overnight success. Marketing is work. It's work and it's an investment of time and energy and resources. And that's just what it is. So, um, I think the, the hardest talk that I have to have with a lot of writers is that there is no get rich quick scheme. (laughs) (laughs) So no magic bullet. Um, um, and then a big theme and one that I just finally tackled was that like writing without a support system. I get a lot of people saying, I don't fit in. I don't have any friends in the writing community. I don't have anybody supporting me in my personal life. And, you know, I just, I try to remind everybody who is on this journey and feel like they're alone that one, you're not alone. There's a lot of people in that same boat with you, even if you can't talk to them, right. They might have headphones on, <laughs> but that they're still in there, yeah. um, paddling away with you. And also that you don't have to have a, a stadium full of people chanting your name to achieve something. Um, it will still feel just as great if it's, if you're the only person cheering yourself on. Right. right. And I honestly cannot imagine, and I do have a couple of friends who really don't have any support. Their spouse doesn't support them. Their family doesn't support them. And yet they keep writing and they keep producing. And I'm like, wow, Um, (laughs) uh, because that's hard. I mean, it's hard to do when you have people supporting you, when you, when you're swimming upstream and you're still putting words on the page, like that is, that's my hero right there. I'm telling you, I, everybody will ask me or, or, I get two reactions to the fact that I'm a writer full time. There are some people that are like, wow, that's amazing. You get to make your own schedule. You get to take vacations whenever you want. You get to do what you love for a living. La la la. They make it sound like it's a trip to Disney world. Right. And then I have other people who are like, gosh, like, how do you do that every day? How do you, how do you sit down and write a book over and over and over and over again? And 
it's funny. I mean, I feel like it, writing full time is a blessing as much as it is a curse because you never stop working. Never, ever, ever. You are writing or doing social media or thinking about writing or thinking about editing or thinking about <laughs> characters or whatever. It's, it's constant. So um, if you've ever listened to or read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, I, it. she, oh, it's one of my Love favorite it. books. My favorite it book, is, yeah. One of my top recommendations for anyone in any kind of creative industry, but especially writing, she talks about how you enter into a marriage with writing and it is for better or for worse and for richer or for poor. And you made those vows to show up for writing every day. So that's what I do. I show up for writing every day and I say, I married you and I still love you. And even when you piss me off, <laughs> you're still the love of my life. <laughs> yeah. We, we do have a love hate relationship with writing. You know, mm-hmm. we love having written. We don't yes. want to write. But yes. then when the book comes out, it's awesome. But then there's always that idea, you know, something that it's always, there's always something. So Always something. It's not good yeah. enough. I'm yeah. not meant to be here. This right. book has been written before, whatever. Right. You can yeah. count a million, a million yeah. things. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of our time. So we have one more question for you. And sure. that's, um, what's the best thing you've done to set yourself up for success? Mm. Wow. That is a great question. You know, I think we've, we've talked about a lot, um, during this episode, just a lot of things that, um, that I feel like make a difference. But I think one thing I've done that sets me up for success is believing truly at the heart of, at the very core of who I am, that I am a good writer. And I know that sounds so silly, even saying it, it like, yeah. makes me cringe, right? It like, it's like, <laughs> ew, I don't want to say that about myself. Cause it, 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 we don't, we don't ever say that, but I think if you believe at the core of, of, of who you are, that you have a good story to tell, there's a purpose to you writing. And no matter what happens financially, no matter what happens rank wise, no matter what happens, you know, with publishing one book a year or one book in 10 years or whatever, if you believe at the core of who you are, that you have a story to tell and you are a good writer and you're capable of telling that story, you're going to set yourself up for success because you're going to have that those moments every day where you're thankful to be there, you're happy to be there, and you know that there is a benefit to you being there. There's a drive. There's a purpose. Um, so be your own biggest cheerleader and just know that regardless, the fact that you sat down and wrote is already enough. Right. right. Very good. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, I love that. I love it. So tell <laughs> people where they can find you. Oh, come hang out with me. Let's be best friends. Yeah. I'm pretty good at French braiding and you know, we can <laughs> hold your hair back when you throw up. Yes, yes. We can watch movies and drink wine coolers and all that stuff. Um, no, I, so I love to be on Instagram. As we've talked about, you can just find me at Candy Steiner. Um, also Facebook, if you look for Candyland, spelled with a K and an I, um, that's my reader group. I also really love um, if you could follow me or subscribe to my newsletter and you can do that on my website candysteiner.com. You'll get a little pop-up that says, Hey, do you want to keep in touch? And just put your email in there. Um, I send a lot of personal stuff when I've got something exciting going on, like really cute puppy pictures just went out this week. Um, but I also, that's the best way for me to reach you if I've got a new release or a sale or something super important to tell you. So those are the three places that I love you to come hang. That's awesome. Thanks for being here today. It's just been great. I've loved it. Um, 
I appreciate it very much. I had an amazing time and, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to come and congratulations on the success on your podcast. I'm so happy for both of you and I look forward to listening to many more episodes in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we will have all the links in the show notes. They'll be at the wish I'd known then podcast.com and we'll see y'all next week. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Thanks for listening to the wish I'd known then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.